everybody and welcome to episode number 31 of the kickabout with me chris and as always dan and fran are with us Hi. Uh, so just very quickly before we start the show just to let everybody know that uh, i am expecting uh, or me and my partner are expecting our second child uh, who is due next monday uh, if she shows her face uh, on on time there's every chance that the episode will be delayed or in fact cancelled altogether um, but if she arrives early or late then we might be able to sort of get away with it so if things change we of course let you know on our social media pages but if you don't hear anything or see anything assume next week's show will be recorded as normal uh we do have a guest we have uh joe on the show later he is a leeds fan who will talk everything about uh the club and how their season's been going but as always we're going to start the show with this down the stack man right so brighton's pascal gross has become the fourth german to record 20 assists in the premier league but can you tell me who the other three germans to have 20 plus premier league assists are Oh, well, I can definitely name one. Oh, actually, no, 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 he's definitely one. Uh, yeah, okay, no, that'd be good. I'll uh, have a little stab at that later. So let's get on with the show then. Uh, fans of the show and uh, people who who know us won't be surprised to know that the first game we're talking about tonight is a Manchester United-West Ham game, the, the Kickabout Derby Volume 2. And my God, am I happy that we didn't bother trying to do another one of those reaction videos, Dan. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. I mean, I think this one was borderline worse than the first one. <laughs> well especially for you <laughs> how dare you I must admit, when i saw when i saw that goal going and i thought it was mctominay scoring again i was like are you actually kidding am i watching the same game over again <laughs> but uh yeah it was a it was a disappointing game not just for uh for west ham fans but for neutral neutrals as well because it was just so freaking boring and the fact that it was an own goal that separated the two sides was quite the uh the appropriate uh, thing to happen for this game well, I, literally, I literally said to you, if there was going to be a goal, it would be from a mistake, didn't I? Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. It was. A, I mean, the man just can't stop scoring. He just can't put the can't stop putting the ball in the back of the net at the moment, Dawson. Um, it was actually a really good header as well. But uh, I mean, I get, overall, I mean, from a Manchester United perspective, I mean, it's probably quite a it's probably quite a difficult game to kind of take anything away from because yes, you got the three points, which at the end of the day is the most important thing. But from a performance point of view, I mean. West Ham kind of just sort of rolled over and let you have it for the most part. Yeah. Um, I was a bit disappointed with West Ham, too fair. I really thought it could have been a very good game, but the way they lined up, I don't blame them for going with the defensive um, sort of lineup because the way United play, that's the best thing to do against United is to sort of sit back um, because United just can't break teams down. But the problem is if you're, if you're going to do that, when you attack, you need to be fast and attack. Whereas I noticed that when West Ham were attacking, it was literally just Antonio up there on his own. And the only way sort of West Ham got anywhere was if Antonio managed to grab a foul because he just had nothing up there with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, it was a poor performance from United, but I think with how West Ham are doing so far this season, the three points was the main thing. And we... I mean, I don't want to speak too soon, but I feel like we have pretty much secured top four now. 
Yeah, I'd, I think I'd agree with that. Um, I think you and Leicester are probably just about secure now. It's just a case of who gets that fourth spot now. Um, I mean, when I when I looked at the uh, the United side that that started that game, and I, obviously I knew that Martial was injured. There was there was half a chance that uh, Rashford was injured. I saw that Dan James was playing. Uh, Mason Greenwood, of course, whilst he's a very good player, he is massively out of form and just can't seem to score, which was evident again in in the game uh, on on Sunday evening or last night. So that was that was one of the reasons why I was so disappointed with West Ham because I felt like this was such a missed opportunity. We just let United off the hook. Um, as you say, like we all know who or how Ollie is going to play, the, the sort of tactics he's going to employ. So do I blame West Ham for going that way? No, not necessarily. But the problem is, is that if you if you start a game like that and it doesn't work, it's so difficult to then transition to go and try and attack when you've been defending like that for the last 60 odd minutes and then United get a goal to then change it and suddenly flip the card and become a, an attacking expansive team. Um, it's, it's so tricky and that's how it proved to be in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing going with sort of five at the back, but I mean, you even went with three sort of defensive-minded midfielders. It's not like you had Lanzini or Ben Rama on. I mean, you went with, was it Declan Rice, um, Noble and Suchek? Yeah. So, I mean, Rice and Rice and Suchek can and will get forward, but primarily they are there to protect the defence in in the normal uh, in the normal way that West Ham play. And I I feel sorry for Noble because he he gets he gets a lot of stick from West Ham fans, um, un, very much undeservingly so. I mean, I know he's in the twilight of his career. We know that he's now uh, going to retire at the end of next season uh, from 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 playing. But I feel like he is still a good player. But the problem is, is that he only ever seems to play in teams that Moyes sends out to be ultra defensive. And I feel like he's sort of not really helping Noble out here because he's obviously a defense-minded player. He does play the safer passes, but he can play forward if he wants to. But if, if he's just going out there to employ the tactics that Moyes wants him to, and that tactic is to defend and not really play too expansive, I don't really feel like it's fair to criticize Noble in that because the whole team has got that same mindset. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I do feel sorry for Noble on that game. Um, I mean, did you when you watched that game, for example, did you think that Noble did anything wrong? No, not particularly. I think the way you were set up, there was not really much you could do. Um, I mean, they defended well at the end of the day. West Ham defended well, and United didn't score a clear-cut chance. Well, they didn't score any because it was an own goal. So in terms of defensive-wise, the plan sort of worked. But the problem is, as soon as that goal does go in, it's a bit like with Ollie. As soon as that goal goes in, the tactics are down the drain. Yeah, and of course, Man United are such a a difficult team to um, to attack against because of that counter attacking threat. So you're you're effectively then playing straight into United's hands. I mean, United did catch us on the break once or twice, and with a little bit more quality, they may well have had another goal or two to add to that tally. Um, but uh, and on the on the topic of of counter attacking football, um, I had. Uh, uh, there was a lot of uh, talk going on between me and you. Uh, I was also uh, had Dan Goodall messaging me as well. Now, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but Solskjaer seems to like Dan James. What, meanwhile, Lingard is tearing it up at West Ham. I know obviously he couldn't play uh, because of the, the agreement with the loan. But do you find it strange that he seems to prefer Dan James over Lingard? Or was it just a case of that Lingard had some interest shown in him, whereas nobody wanted Dan James? No, <laughs> I think Ollie has favourites in the team, to be honest, because you see it with quite a few of the players. I mean, when we play Bailly at the back, we tend to win quite comfortably 
comfortably, sorry. But he tends to keep going with Lindorf and Maguire, who make mistakes almost every game. And it's the same with the midfield. At the moment, I know we've got quite a few midfield injuries. Yeah, um, but we've got McTominay and Fred. He plays those two all the time. um, And they're not a good partnership at all. And then yeah. yeah, with Dan James, I just I think Dan James is a championship striker, maybe like a Crystal Palace player or something like that, but he's not a, a top six player. He, I mean, you saw it when we were counter-attacking. We had four United players against two West Ham players, <clears throat> and he just completely cocked up the pass to Bruno. Yeah, it's I, I, obviously Dan Goodall was messaging me throughout the game, and um, I'm going to read out some of the messages that uh, he sent me about Dan James and about Solskjaer. And I can't quite work out where his feelings lie about Dan, Dan James. So, uh, you know, I'll read them out, and you guys can decide. Do you want Dan James and we'll have Lingard back? Was his first was his that was his first message to me for the for the game last <laughs> night. That was the first thing he said. Um he he uh he just likes to turn and he gets really excited, no positional sense. He agreed with me that he looks like he's won a raffle to get into this United side. Um Dan James looks like an under 18 that got into a nightclub really trying to make it look like he's allowed to be there, and then sent me a gif of McLovin from Superbad trying to use his fake ID. <laughs> Um, I swear to God, if this is nil-nil, I'm going to drive to Manchester and punch Ollie in the face. Um, United don't even want to pass to Dan James. And then the final straw for him was the fact that, uh, as you just mentioned, Dan, when Dan James completely wasted that opportunity with that four-on-two break and passed it behind Fernandez, he simply just said, please, can you take Dan James from us? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to lean towards the fact that I don't think he's a fan. But uh, no, in all, in all seriousness, he does look like a fish out of water. You know, he looks... He just doesn't look like he has the quality or the or the belief in himself right now that he can actually uh, keep up with what United are trying to do on those counterattacks, which is strange because he's got all the pace. He can, you know, go at plays. He reminds me a little bit of Theo Walcott when he went to Arsenal. You know, he had all that pace, but he's trying to play his not natural game, if that makes sense. He's trying to play the intricate football that Man United want to play, um, and he's frankly he's just not good enough to do it. Yeah, and the problem is, obviously, you had a very defensive lineup, and he's good against teams that come out and attack because there's space in there for him to sprint in behind. When there's no space to sprint in behind, I mean, you know, he's lost his only trick in the book type thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's a strange. One. What what do you make of these? Uh, sorry, just changing the subject to Ollie quickly. What do you make of these rumours that uh, Solskjaer might be getting a new contract? I think it's very premature. I would have waited until the end of the season. Um, Can you understand why they're giving it to him, given that United are second in the league? You know, the things are, despite the fact that results haven't been particularly uh, impressive in terms of, you know, the performances, you are getting the points, you're getting the results for the most part, and you're sitting, you know, second in the league, or you were until, uh, actually, no, no, you overtook Leicester again, didn't you, when you beat us yesterday? So you can can sort of understand where United are coming from. They are seeing progress. Yeah, I think he's a cheap and cheerful signing, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were. If we win the trophy, uh, then I think it's completely deserved. But you know, how many seasons are we going to go before we win a trophy? I just really don't see us ever winning a trophy under Solskjaer because he doesn't know how to change a game. Mm. I mean, he didn't make a single substitution in this game. No, I, I, can't can't make <laughs> I, I think he just doesn't trust the bench. 
I mean, if I just while just while you're talking there, I'm just going to um, bring up the because I know that both teams were lighter on substitutes. I know West Ham had two goalies on the bench, so did United. And West Ham actually didn't even name a full bench because of uh, the injuries and the the lack of players we've actually got in our squad. Um, but if you look at the uh, the bench, I mean, you had Diallo on the bench for you guys, who uh, you know was pretty impressive midweek. Scored that very good goal. Very surprised that he didn't get a run out, even if it was for 20 minutes. Especially for Dan James. I mean, it would have been a like-for-like substitution. Actually, I'm looking at this. No, Diallo, was he on the bench or has he got a weird name that I'm not... Yeah, it's uh, Ahmed, isn't it? Uh, he was so definitely... I'm Eric Bailly, Grant, Traore, Alex, on the bench. Bishop, Matic, Williams, Swanzebi, and Shuratire. Shuratire, yeah. Oh, was he not on um, the bench? Oh. I could have sworn he was on the bench. I thought he was. Okay. Well, all right. Well, that shut well, me up anyway. Sure, a good player. He could have come on, but yeah. Unless, uh, hang on. Let's have a look. Is Diallo called something different? Is he? Well, has he got like on his shirt? It says Ahmed. Ahmed Diallo. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe he wasn't. But you know, I, I, I could have sworn they were. But even so, um, no changes made, which, as you say, means they got no faith in the bench. But you would think with a fairly important Europa League game coming up that he might wanted to have uh, rested a few of the players. I mean, he must have seen that West Ham weren't posing a huge threat. He is uh, and rested a few of them. He is. He was on the bench. I'm literally looking at him on the substitutes bench. It says Diallo, third one down. What? So I'm looking at Sky Sports. I kid you not. I'm seeing Baye Grant, and the third one is A Triore. Yeah, we don't have a A Triore. <laughs> has Sky Sports put Adama Triore in, in the main yeah, line bench? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> what number is Diallo for you? 19. Yeah, that's him. So they put Adama Traore in. Fucking useless yeah, right. people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, at least it confirms we're not going crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the, it, it was just so odd. I couldn't believe it. I mean, we were joking around because uh, you messaged me and asked me, has Ollie made a sub in this game? And I was like, no, don't worry, but we're nearly the 85th minute, so we'll do him in a minute. And then he just didn't make any. No. I don't think he trusts his bench, to be honest. No, I think that's why we um, always be the same players every game. Yeah, and then the other rumor that surfaced this week a little bit was something of uh, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, was Jan Oblak potentially heading to Man United this summer? What do you make of that? Do you, do you, do you think that De Gea's time at United is coming to an end? Um, well, if that is the case, I'd, you know, what are we doing with Dean Henderson? Are we going to sell both our goalkeepers? I was going to say, because Jan Oblak's not coming in to be a number two, is he? No, and Dean Henderson's not going to sit there and watch us sign another goalkeeper, is he? I mean... No. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't see a lot in those rumours. But, uh, yeah, if we sign Oblak... I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a great goalkeeper. He's the best goalkeeper in the world, so I wouldn't be disappointed. But uh, I think it would be a strange one. Yeah, and then just going on to West Ham, I mean, I, I really don't understand why we set up like this. I mean, we've, we've already touched on it a little bit, but if you did a, a mix, a comparison 11 between West Ham and Manchester United, if you pick the best combined 11 there, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and you might give me pelters for this, but I think that both of our two centre midfielders in Suchek and Rice right now are better than Fred and McTominay. Um, I think that... Uh, one of our centre-backs, probably Dawson right now, again, on form, probably gets ahead of Lindelof, maybe. That's probably a, a, a coin toss. Um, we've You could probably have one of either Ben Rama uh, or probably Ben Rama himself in place of Dan James. So w- the point I'm trying to make is that whichever way you spin this, it's not like the West Ham 
team is massively inferior to United. It's not like Sheffield United going to, to Man United where you could make an argument to say, well, you are inferior, so therefore playing in this way is not surprising. I don't think anyone would criticise you. But, you know, we're fifth in the league. We've we've had some fantastic results. We played Man City the other week, went with the, basically the same lineup. Oh, I don't think Noble started. Um, and we gave them one hell of a game. And we, we were we were defensive, yes. We got everyone behind the ball. But every time we got the ball, uh, we were creative, we were expansive going forward. Granted, we had Lingard playing, so that did make a difference. Um, and we've just kind of gone there, and it's just we've just let them off the hook. And I'll be honest, the way United played last night, the way they set up, it was United were bang average last night. And I feel like if we'd have gone for it, I do genuinely feel like we could have got something from that game. Yeah, I think if you'd have gone into the game trying to win it and you had won it, I don't think it would have been a big shock, to be honest. But I think the big shock is the fact that you almost went into it trying to get a draw, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, no, we absolutely did. You know, Moyes' game plan was to go and get a nil-nil. Um, maybe sneak a one nil win should you get, you know, a lucky, you know, maybe he was banking on another set piece, you know, that we've been so good from this season. And then, you know, we looked so much better when Lanzini and Ben Rama came on. But by that point, as I said earlier, the mentality of that defensive football is so hard to change. And even though we did see a lot of the ball, we got into some good areas. We still didn't have a shot on target in the entire game. I was going to say zero shots on target is quite disappointing. Yeah, it is. And I I don't know what that does to the team from a confidence point of view. You know, the team has been playing so well. When your manager tells you to line up like this, the manager is effectively telling you, I don't think you are good enough to get something from this game without playing in such a defensive way. Um, so, you know, it's not like, yes, we've got a few injuries, but we still had Lanzini, Ben Rama, Antonio, Bowen, Suchek, Rice, these are all players that can get goals in our team. So it's not like we were massively under strength. So, yeah, I don't know. It was it was just so frustrating to watch. And I what feel like... Missed. Yeah, and I, I, I was sort of venting to Annabelle, even though she doesn't give a flying monkeys about <laughs> football. I just needed somebody to vent to. Um, and I, I just sort of said to her, I was like, Leicester would not go to United right now. Granted, I think Leicester are a better team than West Ham anyway, player for player. Um, but Leicester would not go to Man United and play that way. They believe in their own brand of football. They believe in what they're doing. And they would not go there and play the way West Ham did. And that's the difference in the mentality between a team like Leicester, who believe they should be up there, and West Ham, who are, well, maybe they, they believe that they're just massively riding their luck and they shouldn't be there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, right, let's move on. Let's talk about Leicester against Sheffield United. So touching on Leicester, uh, we haven't actually spoke about them in a little while, but, you know, they're not going away, are they? You know, despite they've got some injuries and in the squad to some key players, they do seem to be coping pretty well. Yeah, they did have a bit of a bit of a wobble, and I thought it was going to be similar to last season where they just fell away at the last hurdle, but they seem to have picked themselves up again. How many points below you are they? Uh, I think they're one point behind us. That's why they, yeah, keep, they are. keep leapfrogging each other. Yeah, yeah. so there's, there is a little bit of a gap now. So obviously you've got City who are 14 points ahead. Um, granted, United and Leicester have... Excuse me, both got games in hand. Um, but you've got United and Leicester who are 57, 56, Chelsea on 51, then West Ham on 48. So there is a little bit of a gap now between uh second and third and then back to fourth and fifth. Um, and then it's obviously it's still pretty tight, then back to back to Liverpool, um, Spurs Everton in there as well. So yeah, I, I think, as you said, United have probably claimed top four now with that win. I think Leicester are probably there now as well. Um, it, it would it would be some level of collapse from both of them to, to not get in there now. Mm, it's just a matter of who claims that fourth spot. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and then on so talking of Leicester, so Ian Acho uh, in the team currently, probably because of the injuries they've got. And I, I think it's fair to say that if Harvey Barnes, Madison were still playing, I don't think he would be in the team as much as he is right now. But, you know, he's taking his chance, isn't he, with both hands. It's his first hat-trick in the Premier League football. Uh, and he's showing glimpses recently of why he was such a prized asset when he was at City. Yeah, problem is when you're like the sort of second or third choice striker and you get, you know, like 20 minutes or 10 minutes or you get the odd start when there's an injury, you can't really pick up form. It's only when you get a good run of four or five games that you can try to pick up some form. And that's what he's done here, really. Yeah, and he, and he took them really well. I mean, the third guy in particular was was absolutely class. I mean, it was defenders backing off and backing off and backing off. Um, and he just thought, well, all right, then if you're going to do that, I'm just going to smash it in the back of the net. But, I mean, if you look at his stats this year, I mean, he's uh, he's played five games in the Europa League, two from the bench. He's got three goals, uh, three substitute appearances in the FA Cup, scoring one. And he's got uh, six goals in eight starts with eight substitute appearances in the Premier League. So actually, despite the fact that he's only really come in the team fairly recently, he's not having a bad season, is he? I mean, that's, you know, if you collate all that together, that's 10 goals in 14 starts. Yeah, I mean, that's not bad stats really, is it? Yeah, so an interesting, I saw a stat today that the last three Premier League hat-tricks have all been scored by players from Africa as well, which is a nice little cheeky stat. The last one's coming from mm-hmm. Mares and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, let's talk Jamie Vardy. So th- there's long been a question about what Leicester would do without Vardy long-term because, you know, he's, he's been their main man for so long now. And given Leicester's track record for replacing big name players, I think they've earned a bit of trust in terms to that, you know, they'll deal with that situation as and when it comes. But is Ian Atcho the player? Do you think that can become that striker to fill Jamie Vardy's void as and when he, he gives up playing? Um, I... I don't, I've never really rated Ian Acho that much, especially like during his time at City and stuff. And he's not really done anything his, with his time at Leicester until now. Yeah. Um, I think they'll still be looking for a better striker. I mean, as I said, Leicester's track record with, with their recruitment suggests that they will probably find one that no one's ever bloody heard of for about half a million, and then he'll be amazing, and they'll sell him for about 75 million. So yeah. um, I think, as I say, I think we need to trust, or Leicester fans should trust in the club and what they're doing, that when Vardy does um, hang up his boots, that Leicester will be fine. Um I mean, Vardy has suddenly become uh, a bit of a Harry Kane, you know, laying on assists now. He's become the sixth player to register 100-plus goal involvements in the Premier League after turning 30. So he's got 81 goals and 20 assists since he turned 30. Um, Teddy Sheringham, 127. Lampard, 118. Ian Wright, 110. Alan Shearer, 102. And Zola, 101. So he's he's in very prestigious company there with with those numbers. Yeah, and to be fair, he had a great game. The only thing he didn't score, um, sorry, the only thing he didn't do in that game was score. Yeah, he's, it, it, and it was a vital win for them. I mean, you say Vardy was very pivotal, even though the Ian Acho will take the headlines. Um, you know, as we said, there's eight points now separating them to fifth. Do you think now that Brendan Rodgers will be fairly comfortable? Do you think that he's, not necessarily he's going to down tools or anything silly like that, but do you think the players will now believe that the Champions League is theirs? Yeah, well, I think being knocked out of Europe's helped them because they've got that extra rest that a lot of the top teams don't have. So I think that's been a helping factor. Um, And obviously now they can sort of concentrate on getting players back from injury and working with the players that they've got. 
Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> do you think um, Brendan Rodgers is a bit underrated in the Premier League? Yeah, I, th- I do. Um, I mean, he's he done well at... I, mean, I don't know if I can say he's done well at Celtic because I think pretty much anybody other than Neil Lennon can do well at Celtic, but um, he's done very well at Leicester so far. Yeah, I, I mean... I think, go on. So I was going to say, he's been a success at pretty much every club he's been at. I mean, he, he was successful at Swansea. Um, he had good amounts of success. I mean, he came within a slip of uh, of winning the, the title with Liverpool. Um, he's obviously gone to Celtic. I appreciate what you're saying, that Celtic were at the time basically winning the league with no uh, no other team in contention. But he did still win pretty much every trophy domestically for about three years. Mm. Um so, you know, that's still an achievement. It's, you know, not as hard an achievement, I suppose, but it's still an achievement nonetheless. And now he's gone to Leicester and he's he's he's, he's gone to a Leicester side that were, they were kind of stuttering a bit under, um, oh God, what was his name? The French dude. Uh... I can't remember what his name was. Um, Claude Puel, that was it. Yeah. Um, right. And, uh, you know, he's he's transformed them. He's taken them to another level again. And, and now... Uh, we keep talking about the traditional top six and who should be included. And I think Leicester have to be included in that traditional top six now. Yeah, and I think I think Leicester is probably quite a fun club to manage because they've got a really good system set up um, with everything, you know, their recruitment um, and the fact that their owners are really involved in the club. They're not just money-grabbing owners. Um, so I, I can imagine it's quite a nice club to work at, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just further illustrating the point about Brendan Rodgers, I mean since Brendan Rodgers took over at Leicester since his first Premier League game in charge of them, only Manchester City and Liverpool have won more matches in the competition in the Premier League than Leicester. Wow. Um, So, yeah, Man City won 57, Liverpool won 53, and then there's a bit of a jump back, Leicester on 40. Um, But still, that means he's won more games in that time than Chelsea, than Spurs, uh, than uh, Arsenal, you know, all these these teams that you would still categorise as being this traditional top six, and, and they've won more games than all of them. So... Yeah, very impressive. Uh, for Sheffield United, it was a, a horrid end to a pretty rough week for them. Uh, Chris Wilder departing the club. He's just a third manager to leave or be sacked this season in the Premier League, which I find quite interesting. Yeah, well, I said to you, I think clubs have not been able to afford the luxury of sacking and hiring managers and doing the payouts and stuff, have they? That's what I would put it down to. Yeah, I do I think so. And also, I think that there's the, the league is so close at the moment that maybe managers are given, being given a little bit more leeway because it's not, you know, a dead cert that you're going to get relegated or, you know, that you're not going to make Europe, for example. So uh, I think that comes into it, but definitely the pandemic does as well. And Wilder's relationship with Sheffield United did seem to deteriorate quite rapidly. Um, it's, from, from what I read, tensions came to a head as Wilder refused to appoint a technical director to take over transfer dealings, um, which kind of set him on a collision course, really, and it was only going to end one way. Yeah, uh, I think he would have obviously wanted them to... Well, from what I heard, that he wanted them to make signings in January, and uh, the owners said they didn't need to, so that probably pissed him off. Yeah, especially when you sat bottom of the league with like no points and the board is telling you, no, no, we think the squad's good enough. Well, I think they um, did spend like 30 million on Brewster and I don't think he scored a single goal yet, has he? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, uh, we haven't talked much this season about which players would be categorised as the worst signings of the season, but Rian Brewster is going to take some beating to that, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, he, he cost 23 million. Um, he's started 11 games this season, 11 appearances from the bench in all competitions, and he scored zero goals. And he cost 23 and a half million, as I say. So 
I would imagine the board are looking at that. That might well be one of the reasons that the board decided, you know what, maybe we do need to direct to football because Wilder has spent the vast majority of his career in the lower leagues. So maybe the board thinking, you know, Premier League is a different is a different ball game altogether, right? You know, you you can't get away with these sort of cheap signings that you can these bargain signings in the uh, in the lower leagues and kind of get away with it if it doesn't work. If it doesn't work in the Premier League, it costs you huge amounts of money if you don't stay in the league. Um, yeah. and 30 million well sorry 23 million is probably quite a lot to a team like Sheffield United I would imagine yeah it is I mean I guess you know if 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 he stays at the club next season um, if he fires them back to promotion you know that will go some way to to alleviating some of the uh, that transfer fee that they they, they spent um, but yeah I mean in the, this particular game in they lost five nil in the end. I mean, and it could have been easily like nine. I kid you not. I actually, when I was watching this, um, Leicester scored like three in about sort of five, 10 minutes. And I was like, Oh my God, this, this, this is, this could be dangerous here. This, this could get out of, out of control. And it was the heaviest defeat in any competition since 2008, uh, when they were beaten six nil by Arsenal in the league cup and the heaviest defeat in a league match since a five nil defeat against Blackburn back in 2000. So this is, uh, this is bad news because Sheffield United, They've been poor this season, but they've not really been getting smashed by anybody. No, and um, the caretaker manager put it down to um, everyone being a bit down that Chris Wilder had left, which I can imagine is probably true, um, especially if he's been there so long at the club. As he said, you know, that the leader has left, which is very true. Um, yeah, there was, <clears throat> there was an outpouring of support from one or two of the players about just how how important Wilder has been to the, to them in their careers. But I think that after seeing this game now, I think even the most optimistic of fans are probably now resigned to the fact that it is over. Wilder's gone. The team just looks so devoid of any organisation and, and uh, no consistency. They still can't score goals. They've, they've, they've still only scored 16 goals this season in 29 games. It, it's quite sad, actually, given how they were last season. I find it quite sad that it's it's gone apart so badly for them. Yeah, I did really admire them last season. I thought they did so well to, I mean, they were unlucky not to get a Europa League spot because they were up there for almost the whole season. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think everybody associated with Sheffield would quite happily just f- almost throw in the towel and start getting ready for next season, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, right, let's move on. Then let's talk about the North London derby. I know Fran is very disappointed in me that I've picked uh, the game that Spurs <laughs> lost uh, since they have won a few games recently. Uh, had one three on the spin coming into this game, but it was an in, it was quite an intriguing game. This one it seemed to have everything. We had drama before the game with Abama Yang being dropped for turning up late to the game. Um, Son got injured early. Eric Lamella coming on for him and then going from uh, from hero to knobhead in the space of about forty five minutes. Um, <laughs> But uh, let's let's start with Lamella's goal, though. Do you goal of the season contender? Yeah, hundred percent. Beautiful goal! What a man! <laughs> He's got previous with doing this as well. Do you guys remember the yeah, goal he scored in Europe? Europa League, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's it's it was a. <laughs> what did you make of the? Did you guys watch it live? Yeah. What did you make of the commentary? Because Martin Tyler's coming for some stick about this. In terms of what? But the fact they just didn't get excited in the least, in the slightest about it, and they felt like it ruined the goal a little bit because it took away <laughs> some of the some of the like the uh, the special, you know, it was, it was such a special goal that it took away from the moment. You think back to the Aguero goal where he went nuts and it became so iconic. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That because he was so like, oh, and it's in. Lamella scored. I think, I think <laughs> because it, it was so against the run of play. I mean, Spurs hadn't really done anything, and then 
it, it, I mean, it was only a half chance as well. It was one of those things where you thought, oh, that's going to, it's not going to come off at all. And somehow it, it almost sort of curled along the floor into the back corner. Yeah, I mean, I don't pretend to be a skillful player, not these days, certainly, but I know that that technique is very hard to do. But I I feel like it would be even harder to do that technique of generating power and keeping it on the deck because usually Rabona's usually come up in the air, don't they? Yeah, I have no idea how he kept it on the floor doing it. Yeah, incredible. Uh, and then, obviously, as I said, it, uh, it's suddenly got a bit sour for him this afternoon, the, the sending off. He has got a little bit of a streak in him, hasn't he, where he, he seems to just let the occasion get to him a little bit. It gets a bit uh, a bit hot under the collar, and he's fought very fortunate not to be sent off in the game against Manchester United much earlier on in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this time he didn't get away with it. A- any arguments on this one? No, he's a bellend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it was a bit... <laughs> It was a bit soft because I, I don't think I think Tierney's made the most of it. But when you're on a yellow card, you can't really be flailing your arms around in the air in people's faces. So yeah, it, I think what... it wasn't like the first challenge after he'd had a yellow card. He'd had like two or three where he got away with it. So I think he was pushing his luck, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think I think what didn't help him was the fact that he just had a little look at Tierney before he did it. Mm. Um now I'm not suggesting for one minute that he went to you know to like punch Tierney in the face, but the fact is he knew he was there, um, and he's quite aggressively put his hand out, and he, you could say that he's just putting his hand out to to block the player and protect the ball, but you you know you do have to be careful. You you know it's it's your responsibility to 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 not um, put the the safety of the opponent uh, in 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 question, which is obviously the way the FA rules are written when they look at red cards and things. Um, but uh, and I guess on on that point about the safety and uh, your your responsibility to make sure that you don't foul the other player, let's talk about the the big talking point. Um, and I guess we can sort of tie this into the listener segment as well, Fran. If uh, if if you want to do it now, because we we posted the question to to the to the listeners on social media about whether or not this was a penalty, and and if so, why do you think uh, that it is or it isn't? And I, I don't. I think an argument can be made for both here. I mean, what, what do you guys think on this? Was it a penalty or not? Well, I find it quite interesting because all the punditry, I listened to Match of the Day and I was listening to the, the Sky punditry and it seems like everybody thinks that it, it wasn't a penalty and they all sort of saying why it wasn't a penalty. But to me, it, it is a penalty because, you know, if you're in the middle of the pitch and let's say Paul Pogba passes it and then Mane goes straight into him and slides into him, you wouldn't be like, yeah, but he already made the pass. It's still a foul. Yeah. So to me, there's no difference whether that happened, you know, whether it's a shot or a pass and whether it's in the middle of the pitch or in the box. At the end of the day, you fouled him. Whether he's, you know, he's sliced the shot and made a mess of it, it's still a foul. I mean, the 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 question that seems to, that seems to keep coming up from what I've seen is about the fact that Lacazette's foot is the one that kind of goes into Sanchez, not the other way around. So, do you think there's anything in that, uh, Fran? What do you think? Well, I'm just reading the comments. So, um, Pete said, regardless of if a player has taken a shot and it has been affected by the tackle slash foul, it's a penalty. An off-the-ball incident would be treated as a penalty, so as long as the ball is still in play, it's a penalty. Yeah, I, I think I kind of agree. I mean, the, the only the only comment I would make, and Dan, you'll probably know this as well, is that when uh, when a player, let's say a left-back, has the ball 
if he's right on the touchline, about to say ping one down the line, you'll get these situations quite often in football where a, a defending player or a, um, a player trying to get the ball off him will put their foot up to try and block the ball down the line. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not putting his foot towards the player. He's kind of doing it almost sort of a 90 degree angle just in front. And then what will happen is, is that the player, in the natural movement of kicking the ball, his foot will come past the ball and he'll smash the underside of the player's boot. Now, most most uh, most people will look at that and will say, right, that's a foul. And often that even results in a yellow card in, in, in Premier League. But I kind of feel like, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm literally just putting myself in a position where I'm trying to block the shot. It's the, the force of him kicking the ball has actually booted me. So why is it not a foul the other way? So that kind of seemed to be where most people's arguments were dropping down on this as, you know, in, in terms of the people that thought it wasn't a penalty. For me, it was just a very clumsy challenge from Sanchez though I so I don't really have too much sympathy for him in that yeah. regard I mean I must say from from my point of view I personally do think it was a penalty as well um I think that as you say you do have a responsibility to make sure you don't make contact with the player um I think if that's anywhere else on the pitch and I think there was another comment actually on on Facebook where I'm trying to remember Fran you might be able to um, tweak my mind but somebody sort of said you know if 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 the defender was clearing the ball and it was the other way around would the free kick be given on the defender probably yes um well so chris said not you obviously um (laughs) i think anywhere else on the pitch it's a foul as sanchez has caught um caught with his studs high challenge that could injure the player it is a penalty is it a penalty though not sure the shot at goal is gone but the player is still hurt we've had We've had enough VAR interpretations go against us this season, so it's nice to have one first. But if VAR isn't consistent and still open for interpretation, what's the point of it? We love a challenge of VAR, for sure. (laughs) I mean, I'm not sure um, of this particular case. I'm not sure VAR is the one to be blamed. No. And um, Well, it was the referee... Referee also, told VAR that he was happy with his decision, didn't he? Just had a yeah. comment literally right now saying penalty all day, no doubt about it, can't go flying in right now. Is that? Dan Gray. Dan Gray, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do think I agree. It was it was a desperate challenge. He obviously knew that Lacazette was about to score. Um, so he's launched himself into it. I think that he's got a little bit unlucky because I think actually he probably doesn't touch Lacazette if Lacazette doesn't slice it. And then the, the momentum of him slicing the ball actually takes him into Sanchez. Um, so I think he's got a little bit unlucky in that case. But I don't think you can really have any arguments with that. I am surprised that so many people have come out and said that this isn't a foul. Yeah, I was surprised that literally every pundit I've seen has said that it's not a penalty. Um, yeah, which surprised me. And then everybody, in sort of terms of us and on Facebook, has said the complete opposite. So <laughs> it's quite interesting. Yeah, always divides. Um, and then just very quickly, then let's just quickly talk about the game. Um, Spurs didn't really turn up for this one, did they? They didn't really ever get going. I mean, Son getting injured wouldn't have helped. Um, Harry Kane was pretty anonymous, although he did hit the post with a free kick towards the end of the game. And it seemed to be that um, once once uh, Lamella went down to 10 men, they sort of woke up and Lucas Moura did what he could to sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck and and, and make something happen. But aside from that, I thought Tottenham were pretty, pretty poor. It wasn't their day, really, was it? 
No, Harry th- Kane was not at his best until the end. I mean, they were smashed it at the end. Yeah, I don't think they had a after the goal. I don't think they had another shot until the seventieth minute or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, no, good result for Arsenal. It does keep them in the hunt for Europa League as well, um, which uh, in in a way is good from a West Ham point of view because the more teams involved, the more likely it is that teams will slip up as the pressure gets to them. So, let's hope that uh, West Ham West Ham are playing Arsenal next as well. So that will be uh, yeah. quite an intriguing game. Uh, right, let's go to a break then. Uh, when we come back, we'll bring uh, Joe onto the show and we'll talk uh, the Leeds v Chelsea match and talk a bit more general about Leeds. See you in a minute. Everyone and welcome back to the show. So let's welcome uh, Joe onto the show, who's a Leeds fan. Say hi, Joe. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so um, let's dive straight into the Leeds v Chelsea game of the weekend. Now, despite this was a nil-nil, this was actually quite a decent game, I thought, from from what I saw. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the game to be honest. Like for a nil-nil, it was pretty pretty exciting. I thought. Was this was this quite a classic Leeds performance though? You know, they had lots of energy, lots of gusto, lots of uh, sort of effort into the game. But just, I mean, I feel like they could probably still be playing now and they still wouldn't have scored. True, but then I'd, I would say that Mendy is M- Mendy and Rudiger was unbelievable that game. No, they yeah, stopped everything. The, the, the save that I, try, I can't remember who took the shot. Um, well, the looping Mendy shot. was basically no. It was when we were like Mendy was basically on the floor, oh, and then Rafinha. he just stuck out a massive hand, a massive hand, and was like that yeah. was an incredible save. Massive. massive um, so, I mean, in, in terms to Leeds's form over the last sort of period, you know. The form has not been good. They're the fourth. Uh, they've got the fourth worst form in the league now, uh, when taking into account the last six games. And I'm not suggesting for one minute that you're going to be relegated here because I think that would be ridiculous. Uh, but you are only ten points ahead of Fulham, so do, you don't want to end the season on a whimper. You do want to end strong. Now, do you, do you, are you a bit concerned about Leeds' form right now? Um, I wouldn't say the form. I'd say it's more just the. Well, I say well, Bamford scored goals, but I just feel like a lot of other players haven't contributed with scoring. Like we've played very well. Yeah, fair enough. Our defence has been that great. It's been better in the last four game weeks or something like that. But I'm I'm more worried about scoring goals, especially if Bamford's injured now. Is he? I didn't notice that. Is he? Does uh, that him out for the season? Hopefully, well, I don't got know. To pay any money. It, it looked like a dead leg, but seeing how he was walking, it was pretty bad. Okay. Um, Dan, as for, for Chelsea, they're still unbeaten. Um, strong performance from Kante in the midfield, but uh, I'm, I don't know what it is, but there's just something that doesn't convince me about Chelsea right now, despite the fact that they're, they are unbeaten still and I can't knock their results. I just, I don't know. Every time I watch them, I'm just not fully convinced by them. They look so much stronger defensively under Tuchel, um, but they it's sort of taken something out of their attack, I think. I think he's still experimenting with it because they had Havertz up front, I think. Um, so he's obviously still not convinced on where he wants to go as hacking wise. Yeah, and I, I look at the um, obviously the money that Lampard spent last summer. And I just wonder what Tuchel will make of some of those signings. Do you think that, bearing in mind he he does look a bit of a non no nonsense guy who will happily uh, sort of take players out of the team if he if he feels the need. So do you think he might have a little clear out? And do you think one or two of last summer signings might uh, might be in trouble? Well, I keep seeing rumours of Timo Werner going back to Germany, um, which would be interesting. Yeah, again, he's another one. He's he's performed well. I mean, he's 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 
laid on a lot of goals. He works hard, but he's just not scoring the goals. And obviously that's what Chelsea are fought him for, which is what Joe, uh, Joe Morton alluded to a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think so, players need more than one season though, especially when they come from abroad. That is rubbish. Yeah. Um, for you Joe uh, do you feel like this was a point gained or or, or two points dropped well from their form I'd say it was a point uh, like a good point to get because it it is Chelsea just say that like we've just come up from the championship so like yeah they they smashed us at their place yeah our pitch isn't great but both teams have got to play on it but I, I, I was happy with their starting lineup. I thought it was absolutely awful (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, I must admit, I, I raised an eyebrow or two when I saw that starting nine up. Yeah, well, you got Giroud, who is their like goal scorer, basically. Like when he plays, especially how bad we are at crosses and stuff, you'd think you put him in the middle, he's scoring a goal. And Aspella quite a right back as well. What a jank player he is. <laughs> um, I mean, with Leeds, I mean, obviously the, the way the season has gone, um, you started so, so well. You were so exciting to watch. Do you think that everybody has kind of just sort of become expectant of the same Leeds to turn up every week that we saw at the start of the season? I, I think they expect the, like how exciting the game is. Like, yeah, we can have an off game like losing to Crystal Palace and how we got smashed by Man United. But I still I still think like I, I I don't like watching any other Premier League game just because how exciting the Leeds games are. Like I feel like every other game is quite boring. Uh, is yeah, I mean sorry, go on, Is it frustrating how sort of open you play though? Obviously it's great when you're winning four three, etc. But it must be frustrating the amount of goals you also concede. Yeah, I'd say it's frustrating, but then I would say that our defence with our two new centre-backs haven't played with each other at all. We haven't got a left-back. We've got a bloody number 10 at left-back. Um, but, yeah, it's frustrating, but I'm I'm kind of glad that we're not near the bottom. That's why it's not frustrating as much. Yeah. So, so like, we've actually got, got some good results in the Premier League, like drawing to City, now drawing to Chelsea. It's actually a half-decent first season. Yeah, and I, I mean, I look at the sort of, for example, the West Ham Leeds game last week. Um, I mean, I think that whilst I'm very happy with the result, I feel like a draw uh, would have been the fair result there. Maybe, maybe even as as far as to say that Leeds can find themselves unlucky they didn't get all three just because of how many chances Leeds did have. Um, it was a game that could have gone either way, I guess. But as you say, Leeds they're just so entertaining to watch. But I I can't help thinking with with Bielsa. I mean, he he gets such a huge amount of praise. Uh, with with Leeds, you know there was there was a period where um, Leeds obviously at the start of the season was so good and everybody was just waxing lyrical about him. But do you think that his refusal to change tactics and change his approach to games is like it, you can get away with it a little bit in the Championship if you're just the best team in the Championship? But do you think it's naive to think that you can still do that at, at the Premier League level? Well, first thing I'm, I knew you were going to bring up the West Ham game, I just knew it. <laughs> um, but. No, like yeah, it's it's a lot different being winning every week in the championship. Like you win game after game, and you know that if you lose a game, that, that's like it's the worst feeling. But I, I feel like he knows it works. You think he's managed Argentina and it worked there. Like he's he's won. Did he win the Olympics or something like that? I, I can't remember what it was. I think he did. Yeah, but he obviously he obviously knows it works. But he's also got a championship team where he's brought mm-hmm. in the players like Rafinha, Lorente and Koch, who all seem like top players. 
like, fair enough, Bamford's had a good season, but he could have a one, it could be like one lucky season. Could be a Mitchu, do you know what I mean? But no, like, I, I do like the way he plays. Like he always says, if um, the way he's playing doesn't work, just make it better. There's no second option. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you have to respect him for that, I guess. Um, and I, when you look at Leeds' season, I know their form is, at the moment it has been bad, but yes, the West Ham game is in there where you didn't play bad at all. You were very unlucky. You didn't beat Chelsea the weekend, but you could have easily have beaten them on another day with the way the chances fell and some great goalkeeping from Mendy. So is it just purely the fact that you've not been taking your chances this season as a result as, as to why you're not a little bit higher up the league or are there other things as well, you know, injuries? Well, fucking VAR's won. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I would say injuries have not helped with uh, obviously our defensive record but as in shoot like scoring Rafinha's come in he's been incredible been a bit dry the last couple games Bamford's like had the best season that he's possibly had Rodrigo's obviously moved from a different country come in start, found a bit of form and then got injured and you got players like Helder Costa and Jack Harrison click that's all just dried up really. And yeah. it doesn't doesn't normally help when you've got Phillips injured and then you have to play a bit more defensive and change roles and stuff. Yeah. Do you think you'll uh, keep hold of Rafinha in the summer? Well, if we don't, I think it's going to be some big money. What was that, Dan? We'll be playing in a red shirt next season, mate. <laughs> yeah. What is that going to be our way, yeah. is it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, all Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he, he's, he's a big player, like, but if he's on a four-year contract, he's going to be he's going to be a lot of money, I think, if if anything. Yeah, and he has he has been good all season. I mean, he's only 24 as well, so he's got yeah. a, um, a long time ahead of him career-wise, which will also up, uh, up his price tag. So um, what about Bielsa in terms of his longevity? Because from memory serves me, he only signed a one-year contract. Um, so unless I'm wrong in that, that means he's he's up again in the summer. It was, it was a bit of a... Uh, what's the word? It was a bit of a, f- a fracas, wasn't it, last summer, where, you know, will he stay, will he sign, will he not? Um, yeah. So how long do you think Bielsa is likely to stay at Leeds for? Well, he had an interview the other day because it had come up like it was his thousandth day at the club or something like that. And it's like it's the longest he's been at a club before. And he said that he's he's enjoying it because he's actually been given a manager's role as in like he's in charge of the who he wants and how he trains him and stuff like that. So I've, I think, yeah, he, he would want to stay, but I don't think he'd give, he doesn't sign more of a contract because he does it for the club. So, like, if he's not doing well, then they haven't got to pay him a lot of money to get rid of him. So, yeah. he's, it's kind of like a respect thing. Like, if you, get, if you give me what I want, then if you don't want me anymore, I, I will go. Like, he waits for the end of the season and asks, basically, do you want me to stay? Which I think's perfect, but then it's also scary at his own time because we, we might not have a manager for the beginning of the next season. Yeah, and and if uh, if if it rumbles on like he did last season, uh, then there's that chance that the new manager doesn't come in and doesn't get very long with the team to to get them ready for the next season. And, and yeah, and we get someone like of... fucking Paul Heckenbottom. I mean just on that point actually just while you it's interesting you brought that up. Uh, obviously he has been a Leeds manager if I'm correct at some point. Yeah. So for 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 any Sheffield United fans that may or may not be listening right now, what what can they expect from him? Nothing. <laughs> he's trash is he is it, so are you surprised he was given that job or do you think that that's very much a uh we want you to get us back up because we know we're not staying in the premier league i, I think that was an awful decision to get him like because is it 
Right, that Wilder left, he didn't get sacked. Uh, I've not heard that he's been sacked, so yeah, maybe a mutual consent so thing. I, I think that's wrong of him for leaving when you've got 10 games left. But I think they've just got that Paul Heckenbottom in because, I don't know, just to get a manager to the end of the season, then they'll probably get someone a bit better. Like, you've got someone like Eddie Howe that you could have grabbed hold of. Yeah. But, yeah. Interesting. Um, and then, so just just finally, uh, before I um, I'll see if uh, Dan's got anything he wants to, to touch on, um, now that you're back in the Prem, obviously, barring a, a crazy collapse in form, uh, you're going to be there next season. What, what, do, what do Leeds need to kind of ensure that um, things keep going forward? What, what players do you need to bring in? Well, we 100% need a left back because we, we realistically haven't got one. Like Dallas is basically like a poor man's James Milner. Plays everywhere. <laughs> um, Alioski's a winger. Um, I'd say we need a left winger. Like Harrison's good, but with scoring wise, like he's nowhere near what Rafinha is. Probably, mm-hmm. a, probably a midfielder because Click's getting on. Rodrigo's obviously now turned thirty, so but yeah, he's still half decent. And we just need us. Well, we're going to buy Harland in the um, next transfer window anyway, so that's all right. <laughs> just, just get a striker in. <laughs> Dan, did you have anything you wanted to touch on? Uh, yeah, just wondering, as a Leeds fan, what your sort of realistic expectations for next season would be? Emma's League. Just to try and build, like, because I, re- I reckon we'll probably finish roughly where we are, like, 12th, between 12th and 10th, I'd say. But if we can improve from that, like, get 9th, 8th, like, Push, keep pushing, get make the club bigger, so then we can actually rotate players instead of having to play the same eleven every week. Yeah, you might actually get yeah. it further. Next season, obviously, is going to be very different as well because there's the the, the possibility of, of fans, you know, being back in and, and full full capacity stadiums being had, and unless things change, so you know, there's there's every chance that that can affect teams in both positive and negative ways. Absolutely well, yeah, mental. you kind of have to feel a bit sorry for for football for Leeds fans, especially because you know it's the first time they've been up in the Premier League for I can't remember the was it sixteen, 16 years. years, yeah. yeah. Um, so they, and they've missed out on a lot. Um, I, I I personally believe that West Ham would be nowhere near the Champions League if the fans were still in stadiums because I think that West Ham fans just have this perceived. You got it. Uh, ex- ex- <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> we fill out our stadium every week. I'll have you know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't believe we'd be anywhere near the Champions League. Our fans expect too much, and they get on the players back too quick. Um, Man United could be different because I don't know how much their fans would allow Solskjaer's brand of football to, to carry on with some of the boring games against the top six they've played. So it's it's going to be a bit of a lottery next year. Um, and even yeah, Sheffield yeah. United, maybe maybe they wouldn't be in the situation they are if they had yeah. their fans. The only club it probably won't make a difference is City. <laughs> yeah, because they're used to it. <laughs> but, but you watch, though, Liverpool won't make the Champions League spots in the league, but they'll win the Champions League. Just watch, they'll be that jammy. So then, in the next next years. Oh uh, dear. Right. Okay. Let's um, let's move on then and do our team of the week. Um, so, um, who did last week, Dan? Who started last week? I, I ask think, this every week. I think it's me. Right? <laughs> yeah, you Go started on, last off, week, Welsh. Off you, <laughs> off you go then, Dan. Um, so Jay, you'll be happy. I've gone for. I don't actually know how to pronounce. How do you pronounce your goalkeeper's name? Meslia. Mesley, I've gone for Mesler in goal. Uh, there was, I mean, there was three or four goalkeepers I was toying with. I could have gone what with Mesler. Yeah, great goalkeeper. Twenty-one. Um, 
Yeah. I can't work out if he's the youngest old person or the <laughs> oldest young person I've ever seen. Have you seen. not heard him speak either? No, no was he honestly, like? it's the deepest voice you've ever heard. <laughs> it's like James Ridiculous. L. Jones, like Darth Vader. Yeah, and he looks like the fella <laughs> off Toy Story and all. Sid. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's between sort of him, Mindy and Fabianski for me, but I went with him um, just because I think, you know, nil-nil against Chelsea is a great result for Leeds. Uh, I went for Luke Short, left back, England's left back this this summer, hopefully. Should be. Uh, and then in the two centre backs, I went for Dunk and from Brighton, obviously, and John Stones. John Stones having a cracking season as well. I think he'll be lining up next to Maguire at centre back. Oh, fuck Maguire. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't disagree with you too much. <laughs> um, and although he's another left back, I've put him at right back because he had a great game. I went for Tierney uh, for Arsenal. I thought he destroyed Spurs, to be honest. Um, and then in midfield, I've gone for Joe Roberts from Leeds. I have no <laughs> idea what his first name is. Tyler Roberts. Ah, that's a shame. <laughs> um, and I went for Lalana and Odegaard. And my front three were Lucas Mora, Jamie Vardy and Ian Acho. All right. Um, it won't surprise you to know that I chose Fabianski to go and go. I had to get one West Ham player. He did in there, make didn't a I? bloody good save, didn't he? Round of, yeah, round of the he, made, he made two of them, actually, I think. Yeah. There was two very good saves. Numbers, great saves. Um, Luke Shaw, I mean, I know you, you don't have nailed on positions in a team of the week because it's basically each week, but I think Luke Shaw is about as close as you come to a first name on the team sheet for a team of the week. He's too heavy and, to take off, though, isn't he? He's so deceptively quick for someone who is so stocky. A bit like me. <laughs> um, but yeah, his form has been absolutely incredible. What what a turnaround in terms of his career from where he was under Mourinho not that long ago to where he is now. And if he is not England's first choice left back at, at the uh, Euros this year, I'll be stunned. Um Set the backs have gone John Stones uh, from City and Ben Mee at Burnley. I thought they had a very good result against Everton at the weekend. Um, Cancelo at City at right back. Uh, been very impressive recently in scoring me lots of points in my fantasy league team. Uh, midfield three, I've gone for N'Golo Kante at Chelsea. I thought he was, by, a, by some distance, the best player on the pitch at the weekend. Um, Lalana from Brighton and Bernardo Silva from City. And then my front three, uh, I've gone for Lucas Mora from Spurs. I went for McNeil from Brighton. Um, I, I, I really rate him. I what really rate him. Uh, yeah, fantastic goal. But do, I don't know if you guys remember. Do you remember Moussa Dembele used to play for Spurs yeah. before he moved to China? McNeil reminds me of him so much the way he plays and he just sort of glides past people. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but yeah, cracking goal, and I've, I've, I do rate him. So uh, he's in there, and then yeah, Ian Acho, unsurprisingly, uh, in there as well. Surprised none of you went for that Lascelles for Newcastle. Yeah, he, I don't, I don't know what it is about Newcastle, but I just oh, they're rubbish. I, I well, aside from that, but I just I never think um, to really strongly consider them for anything. I know that sounds really harsh because I just. I think they're sleepwalking towards relegation. I, I genuinely do it think they might get relegated point, this year. Well, it, well, his goal probably saved them for another week, at least. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. Um, mm. It's and Villa. It's a disappointing result for Villa as well because you know they they obviously want to push for Europe and they're just stuttering a little bit. Yeah, but, um, can't believe none of right. you Phillips either. Yeah, mounting his pocket <laughs> the old game. <laughs> <laughs> you get, you'll get a text from Joe Moore on there yeah. when he hears that. 
Right. Okay, let, let's move on then. Let's do the stat man. Down the stat man. Well, you wouldn't have heard this one, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so Brighton's Pascal Gross has become the fourth German to record 20 assists in the Premier League. Can you tell me who the other three Germans to have 20 plus Premier League assists are? One of them's got to be Ozil. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, Ozil has 54. What about, um, oh, what's his bloody name? Would Podolsky be out there? Nope. Uh, I would say Balak, but I don't think he played in the Premier League long enough. Nope, not Balak. Gundogan? Um, no, that's a good shout, though, but no, he's not quite there yet. Um, I'm trying to think of oh, the German... Mm. players who've played for sort of bigger clubs. Um, is it in the Premier League or not Div 1, I'm guessing? Yeah, no, it's Premier League. Yeah. Neither of them, one of them is now retired and the other one no longer plays in the Premier League but is still playing. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, I, feel, I feel like I could be here a long time guessing this. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm going to be in the quiz now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go on, Dan, put us out of our misery. Uh, so with 28 assists is Leroy Sané. Oh, obviously. Ah. And with 22 is Dietmar Haman. Who? Dietmar Haman. He used to play for <laughs> Liverpool. Big old conk on him. He played for City as well, actually. Uh, rubbish team to play for. <laughs> right then. Uh, right then. So it's quiz time. So it's 2-1 to uh, the guests. So Dan, thankfully, from our point of view, is, uh, is taking on Joe tonight. Um, so let's get into it. So it kind of sounds like Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. An 80s family game show. So, <laughs> yeah. so, welcome to Football with Fran. Joe, welcome. Thank you. Hope you're excited. Buzzing. So, you know the rules, don't you, Joe? Yes. Okay, good. good. Right, you're right, so, Dan, you ready? Yeah, I'm good. Sure. Right. Uh, The first player is Patrick Bamford. Oh, Jesus. He has played for nine clubs. Has he really? Bloody hell. Nine. Yeah, Joe, you're not supposed to be sounding surprised, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I threw this in here for you, Joe. (laughs) Nine. Jesus. I mean, I imagine all of them are loan clubs and. Oh yeah, you allow in loan clubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's it's any. So the the key is is that he has to have played a game for the club, whether it's loan, whether it was permanent transfer. He has to have at least played one game for them. Yeah. What, as in first team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do, do, do I go first? Yeah. yeah. So Joe, your bid. Mm. I'm going to say three. Bollocks. Dan. What can you I was going to say three as well. I'm you going to up him or? I don't Ooh. know if I can think of a fourth. Uh... Well, maybe... <laughs> uh... Five, four. I'll try and go for four. Because, I mean, four. he's going to get three. I'll go for four. 
Right. Joe, can you do five? You, you, you could easily guess one of the fourth ones, though. I don't know if I can. I, I could definitely name four. Can, can you do five, though? Yeah, fuck it. Right. Oh, love it, love it. Oh, mama. You, you let me do it, Dan, are you? Yeah, you yeah, go for five. Go for five. <laughs> well, obviously Leeds. Yeah. Uh, Middlesbrough. Yeah. Derby. Yeah. And then I, the one I was questioning about was, I think you played for Palace. Yeah. And then, is this, they were on loan. So I'd, I'd probably say you played for Burnley. Yeah, smashed it. Yeah, well. that's a shout. That is. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, but no, because I don't think he's played for Chelsea. He's, he no, didn't he have hasn't. Oh, that would have lost me straight away. Because I was, I I was either going to say Norwich the... or Burnley. Yeah. Well done. You smashed it. I would have not. He did, he, he did yeah, play for so, Norwich. Oh, yeah. Jesus, I would have got six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nottingham Forest. Yeah, Chelsea. But didn't have any appearances. MK Dons, Derby. Middlesbrough, Crystal Palace, Norwich, Burnley, Leeds. Bloody hell. Wow. So, well done, Joe. Yeah, well done. 1-0. I'm a little bit biased, but... Sorry, go Man United player now. So, second player is Andrew Cole. Oh, God. Yeah, a bit of Andy Cole. For 13 clubs. (laughs) Fucking hell. 13. (laughs) He's the Connor commander of Premier League football. Oh, gosh. Um, right, Dan, what's your bid? I honestly don't... I don't think I could name two. <laughs> Joe? Are you saying two, Dan, or what? Uh, I'll start with one, because I can't even think of two. <laughs> well, I'll say two, then. Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. Dan, can you name three? Dan, there's, there's been 13. Oh, I think you could name at least 13 clubs. You could probably guess yeah, one. I'm tempted to take random teams and hope for the best. Right, Dan. Oh, yeah, I'll go for three. Right. Go for three. I'll let him have it. <laughs> uh, well, there's United. Yay. Um, we've got to go three. I can't even do two. Dan, come on. Uh, uh, Spurs. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't say Blackburn. Oh, it's, uh, well, Newcastle. Uh, yeah, Newcastle as well. Uh, okay. Well. Well, I've lost, yeah. Yeah, Joe, you've won. <laughs> that's 2-0 two, that's two to Joe. Um, so the, the teams you could have named were Arsenal, Fulham, Bristol City, Newcastle, obviously United, Blackburn, Fulham, Man City, Portsmouth, Birmingham, Sunderland, Burnley, Nottingham Forest. But, you know, whatever, Dan. Well, I knew you It can't be 5-0, surely. I bloody hope not. Come on, Dan. Right. I've got to get this next point, to be honest. Number three. got to win the next three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've got to win the next two. Uh, Number three is um, Mario Bellatelli. Who has played nine clubs. So, Joe, how many are you thinking you could name? Yeah, you you obviously don't do international, do you? No, no. club only. No. Mm. I'd say three. Okay, Dan. 
Um, I could do four. Okay. Hmm. Five. Oh, the mind games. Love it. Yeah. What's he done? Nine. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Joe Roberts loves to fuck with people. <laughs> <laughs> he's living rent-free in your head right now, Dan. Uh, I bet he's got the biggest five, but I don't know face. if I can do six. Yeah, you can. <laughs> uh, uh, do you not know who plays for now, then? Uh, he plays a nice Serie B, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I can do five, can't do six. Okay, go on then, Joe. Name him. I'll let him do the five if he wants to. Can't back out now, Joe. That's not how it works. <laughs> Name your five. Well, obviously, City. Yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, Milan. AC yeah. Milan. And then you got into Milan. Yeah. Uh, and then the other big one was... I'm going to say Marseille. I was going to say Nice, but I think it's Marseille. I thought it was Lille. I mean, it's... No, well, no, you're wrong. It's Nice and Marseille. It's played for both. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Yeah. I would have got it wrong either way. Yeah, I, 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 I was going to say that Monza, that's who he plays for, isn't it? I had Brescia. Yeah. Brescia? Yeah, Brescia. Oh, yeah, that's a big, yeah, that's a big call. Brescia, Monza, Marseille, Nice, Milan, Liverpool, uh, City... And Lemizana. Never heard of that. Yeah. Right, just playing for pride now, then. <laughs> See if I can keep a clean sheet. <laughs> Whitewash. Okay, next one is Robbie Keane. He's played for 11 clubs. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dan. Yeah. It's a striker special this week. How many can you name? Start with three. How many is it played for? Eleven. Eleven. Jesus. Joe, how many can you name? Would you say down three? Three. I'm going to go four, isn't it? <laughs> 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 uh, go on, Dan. I'll let you have a point. Go on. I, I could name three and I couldn't think of the fourth. Um, right. Well, then, name them. Well, Spurs. Yeah. LA Galaxy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh come on! Don't oh fuck. god! Oh god! Dan, the integrity of our podcast is at stake here. If you can't name three players, three clubs that you played for, Dan, I'll give you a hint. Two of us support him. Well, I was going to say Liverpool. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, there is West Ham in here, actually. West Ham and Leeds. <laughs> We play for Leeds. Yeah. Oh yeah, Leeds in here as well. <laughs> um, so he's played for Wolves, Coventry, Inter Milan, Leeds, Spurs, Liverpool, Celtic, West Ham, LA Galaxy, Aston Villa, and ATK. Ain't got a clue. Would you know he played for West Ham and Welsh? Yeah, I remember he did He did fuck all for us, but I do yeah. remember he paid for us. <laughs> it was later, later on in his career, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, and it was only on loan as well. So um, mm. it was... Uh, was that the season we got relegated? I can't remember. Might have Possibly. been. Might have been the season we went down. I'm surprised I don't remember it, Welsh. Oh, I've got to you <laughs> for my memory, mate. Therapy really helps with that sort of thing. <laughs> well, 3-1. Yeah. 
Yeah, a bit of a pity point, but I'll take it. <laughs> I wouldn't have named four, to be fair, mate. <laughs> and the last one. Gonzalo Higuain. Is the last one. He's played for seven clubs. <sighs> Joe, you're up. How many can you name? Two. Uh, I, can, I can do three. Joe? Oh, yeah, he played for the, uh, four. <laughs> it's funny because you do like three and then I've got to automatically skip to bloody five. Yeah. That works, yeah. Uh, well done. Uh, <laughs> <A> bit of <mass. laughs> uh, Can I do five? Yeah, come on. No. Yeah, you can. Right, no, no Joe, name them. All got name four? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you always got Napoli and Juve. Yeah. And he's played for Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. And he played for Real Madrid. Yeah. Damn. Smashed it. Smashed it. Yeah. It smashed me. River Plate? Yeah, I was trying to think of like a Uruguayan or South American team. Yeah. Juventus Milan, Chelsea. Doesn't he play for Beckham now as well? Yeah, into my yeah. own. Yeah. Mm. Well. Well done, mate. You smashed Joe, me. Well Good done. Game. Good game. No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Right, Dan, we got we've got to we've got to sort this out. <laughs> um, maybe maybe I get um, like like a twelve year old on next week. Get Annabelle, on. <laughs> get Annabelle on, yeah. She or, or Dan go against Welshie. <laughs> well, we did that. So, get Annabelle uh... on while she's giving birth. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, on that on that point, I should I forgot to mention at the start of the show. So we did say that there would be a forfeit for the last time we did a quiz. So when we did sort of yeah. season one, if you will, of football with Fran, Dan beat me at the uh, at the final hurdle, and we said we'd do a forfeit, and we've kind of forgotten about it. So hey, Robert, uh, live on air, what's your official forfeit then? Mm. For the love of God, don't <laughs> let Joe choose a forfeit for me. <laughs> <laughs> So, but anyway, we will uh, we will sort that out. We will <clears throat> get a, a forfeit going, and we will uh, make sure it uh, gets plastered on social media. Whatever yeah. these people make me do. Um, <laughs> so, uh, right, thank you very much for uh, for joining us, Joe. Been uh, a lot of fun. No, thank you, guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, we will hopefully speak to everyone next week. As mentioned at the start, there is a chance that um, Baby Welch number two will be here. So it may be that the podcast gets either delayed or cancelled. So stay tuned on our social media for the updates on that. Um, right. Thank you very much, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. See you later.